Welcome back. It's Sterling Fox in for Jill on this soggy Monday afternoon. Our next guest says Canada needs a wealth tax on the super rich to rein in extreme inequality and contribute to crucial public investments after COVID-19. Our next guest is Alex Hemingway. He's an economist and public finance policy analyst analyst rather at the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives and joins us from Vancouver. Mr. Hemingway, Alex, good day. Good day. Thanks for having me, Sterling. It's good to have you on, Alex. So the uh, wealth tax on the super rich would be at what percent and what category or what income level uh, creates or would qualify a family, I'm assuming, uh, to be uh, considered super rich? Well, there there are different versions of this policy out there. Uh, Here in Canada, the federal New Democrats uh, proposed a version during the last election that would kick in on uh, household wealth over $20 million, and it it would be taxed at a 1% rate. Uh, Down in the U.S., you've seen a lot of discussion of this issue uh, from uh, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders uh, during the Democratic primaries. Right. And there there you're seeing more aggressive uh, wealth taxes. Again, though, kicking in at this uh, very high levels, in those cases, $50 million. Uh, So you're really just capturing uh, the the wealthiest few. Uh, But they're looking at even higher percentages uh, uh, for those who have wealth above a billion dollars, getting into two or three percent. Uh, annual wealth tax on on those folks. Okay, but back to the original premise, uh, we're looking at, you say, 1% uh, annual tax on uh, the income being over $20 million. What would that net the government of Canada? Well, so the Parliamentary Budget Office looked at this uh, uh, last uh, summer, and the estimate that they put forward is uh, uh, once fully implemented by 2028, it would be bringing in about $10 billion per year, uh, less earlier on, about $6 billion in the first fiscal year. So substantial, uh, 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 very substantial uh, money we're talking about here. Okay, now in the piece that is in today's Vancouver province, uh, you go into some detail, uh, quoting research uh, from the uh, Centre for Policy Alternatives. Talk to us a little bit about some of the findings that you've identified in the paper today in terms of uh, number of families, uh, their uh, control or leverage over the nation's wealth, those sorts of things that uh, just put it on the radio airwaves. I don't want to read it. Alex, it's your piece. (laughs) Well, first of all, uh, you you know, uh, just as a piece of context, I think uh, people are generally aware, and it's been a a matter of discussion increasingly in, in recent years, how far inequality has spun out of control in Canada. So uh, when you look at it, uh, the 87 wealthiest uh, billionaire families in Canada uh, actually own as much wealth as the bottom 12 million Canadians. So it is extreme. I think people know that. Mm. Uh, and what's striking is, you know, we've seen some polling on this issue of, uh, of the wealth tax uh, recently and over the past couple of years, uh, and it's increasingly becoming common sense. So we see 75% support uh, among Canadians for a wealth tax. And that's a cross-partisan thing, which is very striking. So 69% support uh, in, amongst uh, Conservative voters as well. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, something's changing out there, and, and this is consistent with what we see in other countries in the U.S. Uh, and in Europe in terms of the polling on these issues. 
So, you know, what we've brought together in this uh, article is looking at the state of that wealth inequality that I mentioned, uh, the possibility for uh, the revenue that could be raised by this type of wealth tax, and also getting into some of the concerns that may pop up about whether uh, uh, the super rich will actually uh, work their way around a tax like this. Yeah, well, uh, and we'll, we'll, sure. Yeah. We'll, get, we'll get to that in a minute because, of course, they're rich enough to employ platoons of tax lawyers, uh, and, and they do. Uh, but here's a, a quote also. Uh, attributed to you in the paper today that I'd I'd like a little clarification on, Alex. A growing body of research shows that extreme inequality puts a drag on economic growth and worsens health and social outcomes across society. Explain that one, please. Yeah, that's important. I'm I'm glad you bring those up. So there's two different things there. Uh, In terms of the effect of this extreme inequality on economic growth, we've seen uh, relatively uh, conservative institutions like the International Monetary Fund, like the OECD, publishing research over the past few years showing that when inequality reaches uh, the levels that we're seeing in, in countries like the U.S. and uh, Canada, we're not quite as uh, far along, but we're still in an extreme situation. Uh, that is actually uh, uh, putting a drag on economic growth. It's lowering that uh, annual uh, GDP growth that we see uh, in the country and making us all poorer. Uh, the other body of uh, research. How does that seen, happen, though? Alex, sorry to interrupt, but how does that happen? How do we be? How do we become poorer because the rich get richer? Is is, is that an automatic axiom? Explain that. Well, no, it's not automatic, and and it, the the mechanisms uh, the, there's is still an open question. Uh, when you look at, uh, for example, the work of uh, uh, the French economist Thomas Piketty has uh, looked at this issue, and part of what he points out is that as uh, wealth inequality has grown more extreme globally, uh, what you see is that the returns to owning wealth uh, have begun to outstrip economic growth itself. I see. And, and so part, if you think about it, the incentives that are being set up there are not necessarily incentives that reward hard work or even innovation, but rather reward uh, wealth itself and possessing wealth. So we have uh, uh, wealth begetting more wealth over time, and, and, and that's how you get that concentration uh, self-perpetuating. Uh, okay, but the extreme inequality also, you say, worsens health and social outcomes across society. How could that be if, the, if the, the wealthy are indeed paying taxes and the economy is buoyant because they're so darn wealthy? Uh, would that not automatically indicate more uh, financial resources available for the improvement of the health system? You, you would hope so. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we see, uh, well, there's a couple of aspects there. So to, to, to address the main issue, uh, this is coming from a body of research from uh, uh, health professionals, epidemiologists who have looked across countries, looked at levels of inequality, and looked at their correlations with health outcomes uh, and, and social outcomes such as uh, uh, trust in society, health outcomes uh, such as uh, how long folks are living, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so on. And again, we're, we see a, a strong relationship between higher inequality uh, and uh, um, more negative health and social outcomes. Now, the, the, as you say, uh, as we get richer, uh, in theory, uh, we should be able to dedicate more of those resources uh, uh, to making people's lives better, uh, to investing in our healthcare system. That's not always uh, uh, happening, and indeed. Uh, you know, one, one of the phenomenon at, at work here is that the very wealthy are able to, uh, in many cases, avoid 
uh, paying taxes as at as high a level as uh, they might have under the rules in place, uh, you know, just a few decades ago. Yeah, we'll talk about tax avoidance on the other side of the break. But just before we go, we go into the break, um, you, you talk about a wealth tax being a policy whose time has come and you point to other uh, existing or similar arrangements elsewhere on the planet. Where would those locations be? Well, there, there are the proposals for these types of wealth taxes on the super-rich are popping up. As I mentioned a little earlier, in the U.S., uh, in Spain, there's a proposal at, at the EU-wide level from economists uh, for a, a temporary 10-year wealth tax to pay for some of the COVID-19 costs. Mm-hmm. And there are existing wealth taxes uh, in Europe. Some have been more successful for others, and it, a lot of that boils down to the specific uh, design of those taxes, which we could uh, get into, if you like. Okay. Our next guest, or our current guest, says wealth taxes enjoy strong public support at levels rarely seen on any public policy issue. The latest poll in Canada shows 75% public support for wealth taxes, and that includes 69% support among Conservative Party voters. This according to our guest, Alex Hemingway, from the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives in Vancouver. Uh, and, and we've got to, the phone lines open as well, so let's check in. Terry, are you one of those uh, 69 percenters in support of this uh, idea of a wealth tax? Well, I vote NDP and I live in New Westminster, so that's saying it all probably. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, The problem with the wealth tax is that the wealthy people are capable of moving their assets to other countries. Uh, they'll hire lawyers and accountants to find ways of getting them out of paying the, off, the, the wealth tax. Uh, they'll give the charities somehow and get like a charity um, deferral so, I mean, I know that you guys mean well, the fellow there, but uh, the, the practical issue is that somehow wealthy people get away with things that middle class and poor people don't get away with. So I don't mean to be cynical, but I'm 64, you know, and I am cynical. So there you go. And I live in New Westminster, too, Terry, and I was about to make the same point with Alex. And, and we were we actually said we would talk about tax evasion, Alex, because Terry's right. I mean, these wealthy people do have squadrons, to use another military word, of tax lawyers working for them. They can pick up their money and move it anywhere on the planet with relative ease. So how do you enforce the tax or, or do you just sort of watch them head out the door? <laughs> No, it's a really important issue, and I think that's what immediately comes to mind for folks when when this comes up. Uh, When you look at the research on this, and and I talk about this in the article, some of the foremost uh, experts on uh, tax havens, uh, Emmanuel Saez and Gabriel Zuckman, who are down at the University of California, have looked at this in some detail. So let's think about how this works in the case of a wealth tax. So first thing first, uh, a wealth tax in Canada would apply to the worldwide assets of Canadian citizens and residents. So when it comes to legally moving your money abroad, that doesn't help you. Uh, And and there are models for this in the U.S., for example, uh, uh, U.S. citizens have to file taxes based on their worldwide income uh, so that we we know how to set up a a tax in this particular way. Now, the bigger issue is, uh, will they engage in illegal tax evasion? Yeah. You know, that's much more serious. That's a crime. Uh, And when we look at cracking down on that uh, type of behavior, it is technically uh, feasible to do that. It's what's really missing, and this is what uh, the economists I mentioned, Saez and Zuckman, emphasize, uh, what's missing is political will to do those crackdowns. And so there's a couple of angles on this. Uh, The Parliamentary Budget Office here in Canada 
looked, for example, during this past election at a, a number of proposals for increasing resources to the Canada Revenue Agency uh, to crack down on tax avoidance and evasion. And uh, they find, and this is consistent with the other research that's out there, that when you put more resources into that crackdown, you get uh, uh, much more money back than you put in. So uh, it, it's, it's actually very puzzling that we don't do more of this than we currently are because we know that it pays off. So it, it is a concern. Uh, the missing element is political will. I think if we can get to the point where we're actually looking at implementing a wealth tax in Canada, then we're in a situation where there's political will to uh, get more serious about that uh, enforcement crackdown as well. Okay. Back to the phones, too. Laurie, are you in support of all of this? What do you think about this wealth tax business? Um, no, I'm not because it is only the tip of the iceberg. Anything that socialists implement, that's only just the foot in the door. They just start with that. Okay, then the next thing you know is the next layer down. Oh, it's all these people in this bracket. They're the next ones. Now we've got to start taxing. It's just the sort of thing that um, is like a domino effect, just like we started income tax during the war. Right. Well, you know how far that's gone. Yeah, right. It was a temporary so, yeah, measure. The minute they see the pot filling up here, or uh, like I see basically anything that's a monopoly in that regard where they can control it. I mean, um, no, I am not in favor of that because that is socialism and I don't like it. One All right. bit. Well, a lot of people, of course, uh, point to Bernie Sanders and you've used him as an example in the United States for his uh, American version of this, along with Elizabeth Warren, Alex. Uh, the, the point being, that I think that if I may uh, 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 interpret some of what Laurie's mm-hmm. <laughs> very adamant statement was, in fact, uh, there was a book uh, written a couple of years ago called called Tax Me. I'm Canadian. We Canadians know we're already among the most taxed people on earth, and we do have a threshold. Well, uh, a couple of things. Of course, uh, I think it's it's right to recognize that households in Canada uh, uh, feel under pressure, whether it's from the cost of living or uh, whether it be their tax bill, it's certainly not the case that uh, we're one of the highest taxed in, in the world. We're higher taxed than the U.S., uh, uh, but not compared to many other countries. That's a little bit all, all to the side here, because what we're focused on is uh, that extreme inequality and uh, taxing those at the very, very top. And, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion, and certainly Lori is as well. But this is increasingly becoming the common sense. We talked about that those polling numbers right. earlier. If you look at the breakdown of that polling in BC, the support for this type of policy is 80%. And I think it's common sense uh, because of that extreme inequality and increasingly, and, and this is in part uh, uh, during this COVID crisis, it's shone a light on, on the fact that you know no individual or corporation becomes wealthy without a huge collective effort, whether that's from their own workers or through the public investments in social and physical infrastructure that make this country work. Uh, so, you know, no one becomes wealthy on their own. And I think it's uh, most folks find it eminently reasonable that uh, we should share a little bit more in that wealth to be able to make the kinds of important uh, investments we need, whether it's in health or seniors care or addressing the climate crisis or so many other things. Okay, let's talk to one more taxpayer. Jason, if you can make it quick, I've got about a minute. What do you think? I'll do, I'll do it quick. This is so socialist. It's crazy. Um, you know, I, I've gone through years where I've made nothing. I'm in construction. I own my own business. I've had everything that I've got I earned. Last year was a good year. I made 200 plus. I guess I'm the wealthy. He's coming for my money. Um, you know, instead of doing this, why don't they start cutting regulation and getting rid of some fat and, and change us over to a, to a consumption tax? 
I'm the guy who's going and eating out. I'm tipping the server. I'm, I'm, my wealth is, is getting spread around like crazy. Gotcha, Jason. The point being here, though, just to, to bring it back to, to where Alex started, this is a tax that would be applicable to those uh, families and uh, individuals with incomes in excess of $20 million. Correct, Alex? Uh, with the wealth over $20 million, exactly. And it only applies to the, the, the next dollar over uh, $20 million, so it doesn't even apply to the first $20 million. So I think, you know, from a fairness perspective, it's, it's, it's hard to argue with for most folks. Very quickly, the Cayman Islands and other world-famous tax havens for wealthy people from everywhere uh, would be a bit of a tough nut to crack. How would that happen? Yeah, so, and, and the economists I mentioned earlier, Seiz and Zuckman, uh, get into some detail on this. I talk about it a bit in the article. Uh, there are a few steps that need to be taken. First, you need more uh, resources in the enforcement system uh, and focus those resources on this tax avoidance and evasion by the very rich. Uh, you need to be looking at the financial services industry itself that helps uh, enable this. Rich folks can't do this on their own. They need that industry, so enforcement needs to uh, look at those industries in particular. And uh, one thing you can do, just to put a practical note on it, is put stronger uh, data sharing and transparency requirements on any banks, foreign or domestic, that do business uh, with Canada. And we're starting to see some steps in that direction 